You're listening to the Capay Friends Community Church Podcast, recorded October 13th, 2015. Soul Renovation. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Glad you are with us uh, today. Uh, Sorry, last week's podcast did not get uploaded. We talked about uh, social renovation. I recorded it. It got lost. Uh, So I will re-record that hopefully this week. Um, and get that up for you. Uh, it's kind of a crazy week for me. I'm getting ready to go to Cambodia. I leave next Sunday and the, the 18th. I leave in the evening. I'm going to fly down um, from Sacramento to LAX, meet our team, and then we have a, a 1 a.m. flight to Taipei. And then from Taipei, we'll uh, land in Phnom Penh. And so it's going to be a long day of travel, and we're going uh, to Cambodia. There's a team of seven pastors uh, and church leaders, and we're going there to uh, encourage our missionaries and to um, ask God to give us a vision for how the Friends Church um, can partner with what our missionaries are doing there and what God might be calling us to in the future there. So really excited about that trip, really feel honored and privileged to go, and I just want to thank you for uh, supporting me and praying for me, um, and we raised the the support to uh, for the trip, and it was incredible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we're continuing our series on renovation. We uh, we we've been asking God that to renovate our bodies, much like when you renovate a house, you have to open up walls, you have to open up the inside, and and redo some of the structures. And God does that with us. We started off by talking about our feelings, God renovating our feelings so that we'd have the very feelings that Jesus has. Then we went on, we talked about our thoughts and having a thought life like Christ. Then we we talked about the will and the heart, God renovating that and our bodies. And and last week, uh, we talked about God renovating our social structures, our relationships. So today we're talking about the renovation of the soul, renovation of the soul. Now the soul is all encompassing. It's a large, it, it's it's all of who we are. Uh, I don't know if you've been following along in the news, but there have been some just very tragic things that have happened. There's been school shootings. Um, there was a few months ago you heard about the guy who came into a church and and murdered people having a Bible study. And then a few years ago there was the Boston bombing. All these people who were gathered around the finish line of the Boston Marathon to to cheer on and to celebrate people's accomplishments, people having a great time and celebrating um, finishing a marathon that somebody would would set off a bomb in the midst of a crowd with women and children um, and cause death and destruction. Uh, and then, then you don't have to think back far to 9-11, just how that has shaped um, our American culture. And we have a whole long list of things that are in the news right now of abortion and war and and things going on in the Middle East. And, and we know deep down within us, something cries out that this is not how we are supposed to be. This is, it's not just Christians who say this, but anyone who seeks peace, anyone who, who, who seeks peace understands that all these things are terrible, terrible things. And it, and it, and it shows our, our brokenness and our depravity. And we know deep within us, this is not how we are created to be. But you know what? You don't have to be a terrorist. You don't have to be 
someone who walks into a school that shoots people or setting off bombs at a marathon to disrupt peace. In fact, we are all guilty of disrupting peace. We are all guilty of sin. And sin is simply missing the mark. It's missing the mark. You know, we're not hitting where we're supposed to be. So how do we deal with our disruption of peace? How do we deal with sin and human brokenness? Because the reality is, is we're all guilty of the disruption of that peace. We are all um, guilty of sin. And I think one of the ways that we try to deal with sin is to create laws and regulations to make people act more moral. Uh, See, we cannot handle injustice by just finding more ways to impose what is in fact right on people. It has, to, it has to come from the inside, and that's where the church should be working. See, we are about the transformation of souls for Jesus Christ. We can't come up with a bunch of laws and rules and regulations so that people act rightly and get the results that I think we all desire, which is peace. It's, it's not that simple. And, and in the church, we've, we've had a history of legalism, haven't we? We've had a history of trying to impose laws and rules and regulations, and, and sometimes we labeled it as holiness, sometimes we labeled it as, as, as trying to keep people out of sin, but the reality is, is just because you don't do something doesn't mean that the, the inside, the soul, has been transformed. You know, and a lot of denominations, not just in the Friends denomination, um, but I used to work in the Nazarene church and, uh, you know, some of the churches had a history of, of saying no, no to dancing. There absolutely no dancing. And, and it's, and sometimes we hear that and we, people's decisions and it, and it seems silly. And we know that the reality is just because someone doesn't dance does not mean that they are somehow more holy or more righteous, or, or that, that somehow transforms their soul. I think it's a misrepresentation of what transforms our soul. Only Jesus transforms our feelings, our thoughts, our will, our bodies, and our social structures. See, we as the church, we're about leading people to Christ because he saves and redeems our souls from corruption. This is the central task of the church. The central task of the church is leading people to Jesus Christ. And, and being a witness. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives the disciples this great commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That is our central task. Now, there are many great organizations, Christians and non-Christians, who do amazing humanitarian work. Um, I think of uh, organizations like Charity Water. I was doing some research on Charity Water, and their founder understood that there was a problem that when people gave only a portion of what people often gave to these foundations that were trying to get water to people who need water, only a portion was going towards the wells. And so so he came up with a, with a new system so that he got financial backers from uh, like the tech industry and whatnot to give towards um, all the all the structural stuff, organizational structure to run that. And then when people give money, all of that goes towards getting people clean drinking water, which I think is absolutely incredible. 
Or I think of uh, programs like Financial Peace University that uh, run by Dave Ramsey. And those are amazing, great things. And uh, I know a lot of churches do those. And, and, and it's incredible the transformation that people experience in their finances through those ministries. But as great as those are, that is not the central task of the church. And we should be doing those things. I, I don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We should be participating in those things. We should be concerned about our brothers and sisters who don't have basic human needs. That is who we are called, that we're called to do that as the church. But our central task and our central focus is knowing that we are transformed when we come into relationship with Christ. When we, when we are in relationship with Christ, then we are renewed, we are restored. And I believe it's people's relationship with Christ is what, um, is what inspires them to, to go and to serve people who need clean drinking water, who, who understand the need for people to be wise with their finances. But the central task of the church is leading people, making disciples for Jesus Christ. See, without Christ, the ruined soul is a malformed and dysfunctional in mind, feeling, and body. And social relations, largely due to hidden sin, the, the slide into pervasive soul corruption begins with the heart, deflecting the mind from God and trusting in God. See, soul corruption starts when we stop trusting in God. See, trust is central to relationship with God. And we know that we can't have trusting relationships without love. My wife would not feel loved if I did not trust her. In order to trust, there must be love. Israel understood this. Israel lost trust in God when Moses, well, he was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments and, and every. Moses, he's there with God. And, and what is Israel doing? They're making a golden calf. You see, it's not just trust, but love of something else. They love gold and things that brought them temporary pleasure and power. See, when we love other things other than God, we can't trust God. When we, when we trust in, in sex and money and power, or we trust in ourselves, our souls are corrupt. We, we stop trusting in God. And the reality is, is that we trust what we love, isn't it? If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It's interesting that the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is to have no other gods, uh, don't, don't have any other gods before you. It's because if you don't trust God, you can't love God. And, and, and Deuteronomy 6, 5 is the most important commandment. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus, it says this, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, the soul is like the car computer system. When our souls are running properly, we are in relationship with God. But this affects every part of our being. If you've ever had car trouble, especially a modern car, almost all modern cars now 
have computer systems in them that check every part of the engine. And when the computer system is malfunctioning, the engine can't run properly. It's the same way with our souls. When our souls aren't running properly, we're not in right relationship with God. When we say lost souls, we are talking about the whole person, the whole being. It's 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 that inward stuff, the our thoughts and our feelings, but also our physical bodies. You see, I believe the church is the most disruptive organization in the world because the church points people to Jesus and Jesus transforms. I know Jesus transforms. And that's why Christians are persecuted because Christ transforms our hearts. That's why there are countries, including our own, that are fearful of the church. Why are we so concerned in this country with God in public? Because I think the reality is, is that we know that Christ transforms our hearts. And the world is threatened by Jesus because when we love Jesus, we are putting our trust in him, in his words, and in his commands. That means we are not putting our trust in other things which seek control and power, aren't they? See, one of the lies in our culture today is it's hard to follow Christ. No, in fact, it's the easy way. The transformation of the self is what leads to the blessed life. And this is what Jesus is after. In Matthew 11, verse 28, says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you love a good Sunday afternoon nap? Or, or maybe I should say this, how many of you just enjoy a good afternoon nap? We love that feeling of rest. Now this word rest here, rest for our souls, in verse 29, it, it, it means more than rest. It means refreshed souls. See, Jesus' easy yoke is pulling the load with, me, with Jesus, not just our load, but his. See, the easy yoke is the way of life and the work of Jesus. See, Jesus desires us to be in relationship with him. And when, we, when our souls are at rest, they're actually refreshed, they're rejuvenated. And we all long for that rejuvenation of our souls to be refreshed. See, you were created to be in relationship with God. See, the peace that you seek for your souls is found in the promise of God. We should be the most refreshed, relaxed people walking this earth because of our trust in God, because of our hope in God. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't experience pain and suffering in life, but we see it through the lens of Christ and we have this trust and rest in our souls that Jesus is walking right with us. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 46. And it says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not 
fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I don't know if you're like me, but do you ever experience fear? Do you ever experience that feeling that it seems like everything around us is falling? Everything around us is crumbling. And sometimes we feel like that, like the mountains are falling around us. And the psalmist uses this imagery of the the heart of the sea. Now, the sea is amazing because to these ancient people, the sea was a giant mystery. And you know what's fascinating today is that the sea really is still a giant mystery for us today. In fact, we know more about stuff in outer space than we do in our own oceans. They're so vast, so wide, and so deep, and they're so mysterious. And so for these ancient people's oceans and the sea, they they were mysterious. They were places of unknown and and there were scary places much like they can be today. Have you ever had those feelings where it seems like everything around you is crumbling and, and you're, you're living in fear and you're, there's no rest for your soul? But I love this promise and it's this, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, one of the things we need to understand about, about ancient people is, and it's true for us today, is that water streams bring life. I would even say they bring refreshing. When I lived in Southern California, I only knew that if I turned on the faucet, my water would come uh, would, would come out. If I turned the handle, water would come out of my faucet. And it was such a blessing. Uh, you know, how amazing is that, that we have, uh, that we have clean drinking water and how, how blessed are we? But I really never understood where it comes from. And ever since I've, I've moved up here to northern northern california um we live on well water and so we have pumps that pump up water and the water we're drinking the water we're bathing in actually come from under the ground beneath our feet and they give life and what's dependent on our water table level is a large lake and the snowpack in the mountains around us just a mile down the street from where i live there's a river called the sacramento river that supplies water to a lot of California. And when the water, when the river's running strong, it brings life. It provides water for, for the farmers. It provides water for, for people to drink. And it's an amazing resource and it's refreshing. We know that we can't live on water. And so the psalmist promises, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. That, that there's this refreshing, there, there's this comfort in water. And for these ancient people, rivers were everything. And, uh, and they, they mean so much to us today. And this is what Psalmist is saying, that the river whose streams make glad the city of God. See, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The almighty God is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Rivers are refreshing. They're where we're meant to be, and God is like a river. It's where we're meant to be. We're meant to be in his presence because he refreshes our souls. He renews us. Do you remember those Coke commercials? And I don't know why. I've never seen anybody do this, but there's somebody drinking Coke, and then they'd be like, 
shaking their head and they'd be like drenched in coke. And you notice on, on coke bottles, there's, there's this small little writing that says refreshing. You see, we, we love that image of being refreshed and our souls are refreshed when we're in relationship with God. We are made whole we, when we are in relationship with God. See, the peace in our souls, the world is crying out for, is found in the love of God. We are all, the whole world is searching for one thing, and I believe it's peace. People have some corrupt, destructive, horrible ways about going about it, but I think what's unanimous about all of humanity is that we're all seeking peace. We're all seeking wholeness. And the reality is, is we're all guilty of disrupting the peace. We're all guilty of disrupting wholeness. And the only ways that we are made whole is in relationship with God. See, God is offering refreshing to weary souls. For all those who are tired and weak, who can't keep up, God is here with you now. When I was in, uh, I I was going into fourth grade, I was playing soccer. And I was, we were having a soccer practice, and it was before the season had really begun. And, and I remember I was dribbling the ball, and I swiped the ball with the outer part of my foot to go around a defender. And a defender, he went to kick the ball and kicked me right in the leg and broke my leg through the shin guard. And I remember going to the ground and then trying to get up and realizing that there was something wrong with my leg. And I was in so much pain and I was crying and my, my leg kind of felt like a spring. And you know what? I couldn't get up on my own. I couldn't walk. And I remember the coach carrying me in his arms all the way to my parents' car so my parents could take me to the emergency room. And so many of us feel like that. We have this weight that's on us and we can't carry ourselves anymore. Our souls are crying out and there's, we have all this weight and baggage. And what God is asking us to do, he's asking us to put all of our weight, all of everything we have on him because he carries us. He refreshes us. He renews us and he restores us. So no matter where you are today, maybe your souls are broken. Maybe you feel like the world is crumbling around you. The sea is raging. May you know that God desires to be with you. And when we are with God, we find peace. We find rest for our souls, for our physical bodies, for our thoughts, for our feelings, for in our social situations, God provides rest and refreshing. May you go in peace and find rest in God, your creator.